Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center where we dream revival with God and serve people in love. It's a church devoted to celebrate God, pursue God, present God, imitate God and to host God. Now, here's a sermon from this weekend at church. Are we all ready to receive from the word today? What are we doing in church right now? It's called the Church Culture Series, yeah? And we've been on this journey of how to, of understanding what God meant by making a church. Now, when you say church, what does it mean? A building with a cross on top. You know, there are these small, nice uh, emoticons on WhatsApp. You know, so you say church, immediately they give you a picture. Is that the church that we're talking about? Because dealing with that church will be very different from dealing with the church that God has in mind, in store for this age and for this day. Yeah, which is why we need to break away from all forms of our knowledge of what church is and learn something from what the Bible has to say. Yeah, so can we start with the confessions? Do we, need, do we know all these confessions? You know what, you can sit and relax and confess to yourself. Don't worry, don't have to stand. But when you say it loud, you have to say it so that the person who's sleeping next to you wakes up and like, hey, what happened? Okay, you have to say it that loud. Is that okay? Can we start? One, two, three, go. I am not alone. I am not on my own. This is my church. I belong here. This church is God's very own possession. This church is the body of Jesus. This church is the bride of Jesus. Yeah, this church is the family of God. This church is the bride of Jesus. This church is a temple of the Holy Spirit. This church is a light in this city. This church is a holy nation. Today, as I'm being taught the word of God, I am excited, I am eager. No, I am excited, I am eager, I am enthusiastic. No, how do we say it? I am excited, I am eager, I am enthusiastic to grow in every way. More and more like Christ, who is? Who is? Amen. He is the head of this church. Yeah. Now again, what is this church? What was God? What, what did God do before he went? He departed from earth and went to heaven. Can we go to Matthew chapter 16 verse 18? Because this is the root verse for the next seven months. Till it gets drilled deep into your head, don't forget. Okay. Matthew 6, 18. Now I say to you that you are... Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, there is an understanding, I mean, of course, we've gone through this verse so many times, and we've, un we've understood what this verse talks about, but just for a recap, there's an understanding that God was saying, you know what, Peter, I'm going to build a church on you. No, that's not what it means. When Peter was denied, when Peter denied Jesus three times, when he went back to Jesus, Peter, Jesus asked him, do you love my sheep? Peter, Peter, what did Jesus ask? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? 
Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Yeah? Upon that rock, that is why Peter was important because anybody who loves Jesus is part of a flock. Yeah? So the church is not the building that we are talking about. The church is a flock that we are talking about. Yeah? And, uh, and, and it says, when, when uh, Jesus asked him, who do you think I am? He, he says, you are the son of God. Peter says, you're the son of God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. It is on that rock that we are building the church. That is the rock. That the revelation that Jesus is the son of God, it is that rock. You know what? You will not be able to say it by your own strength that Jesus is the Son of God and He came down on earth in the form of a man. He will not be able, you will not be able to do it by your own strength. Unless the Spirit of God, unless the Spirit of Jesus, unless the Holy Spirit inspires you and empowers you to say it, you will not be able to say it. You will not be able to accept it. It is upon that rock that the church is built, yeah? And... And so this is like a series that we're going to cover in the next seven months. And this is the first month. So what is the first title or the first topic that we learned? We are God's very own possession. It says, you are not like that. You are a chosen people. What does it say? Come on, guys. Chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. Who are you? This is not Old Testament. This is New Testament. This is from 1 Peter chapter 2. What does it, what does it call you? God's very, very own possession. Yeah? Are we all aware of that? That we are all God's very own possession? Yeah? And in the past three weeks, what have we learned? What is the first thing that we learned? Because we are a possession, we walk in a culture of victory. We walk in a culture of victory. The second thing that we learned was because we are a possession. We cannot just be, you know, picked up from the, from, because, I, you know, God saw, found you lying around and he just picked up, put it in his pocket and you walked away. No, that's not what God did. You know what God did? He bought you with a, High price. He ransomed you. And because of that, when he bought you, he, he changed ownership of you. Okay? So what happened to you then? You started walking in freedom. Because he bought you and gave you something that was his. You are now walking in freedom. So there's a culture of victory. There's a culture of freedom. The third thing that you learned last week, what was it? What was Pastor Priji talking about? Culture of how, how are you a friend of God? You know what? You were first owned by God. It is like uh, a master owned a slave. Just like that, God owned you, but because he is a good master. You remember that, that example that, that Pastor Priji gave last week? A slave does not get a family, you know, when, when, a, when a, there's a master and there is a slave, the slave is just supposed to serve. The, the master really doesn't have to bother about anything that happens to that slave. But what does a good master do? The good master, he finds a wife for the slave. He, he, uh, gives, him, he gives him his own possessions. Yeah, And the slave and the master, after that, they don't share... Uh, uh, you know, like a, a, like a tyrant-oppressed relationship. After that, they start 
experiencing a relationship of friendship. That is why the church today is enjoying a culture of friendship. Are we good with this much information? Ready for new information? Wipe your, plates clean, wipe your slates clean. Can we start? Alright. So, when you talk about possession, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? When you, let's say that uh, you, you buy something really expensive, what do you do with it? You save it, okay. Do you show it around? You do, right? Sometimes if it's a nice diamond ring or if it's, if it's like a nice posh red, brilliant red car, you would want to drive it around the uh, potholes, roads of Bangalore. Still, you know, I still want to drive it around. I'll, sh I'll still show it, right? You pimp up the wheels and you know, you do all that jazz. Okay, so what do you do? What do you do? When you get a new car, what do you do? You have it on your name. Yeah? And if it's, if it's something which you really possessed about, because that is what the term possession means, right? You just become so possessed about it, that you might just write your name over it. Not on the car probably, but somewhere in the car on the leather seat, you'll write RV, put a big circle. Okay? You might want to call it your own, and so you would stamp it. You would give it a seal. You would say, you know what, this is mine, it's not for sharing, I might show it off, but you know what, you're not welcome to use it, so I'm going to stamp it, and I'm going to put a, put a seal over it, and I'm going to tell you, you know what, this belongs to me, and nobody gets to touch it. Yeah? So, you remember from last week's example, can we have that um, Exodus 21.6? Where this slave who is, because we just, we just covered this example some time ago, this slave who is now becoming a lifelong possession of the master, what does he do? He goes and he gets his ear pierced and the earring on his ear shows that he now belongs to this particular master. Not for sharing, he belongs to that particular master. Because the master has put his seal upon him, yeah? And um, later, you know, um, you, will, you, will, you will understand. For example, let's say um, you have a library. The library is full of books. How do you know to which book this, this, to which library this book belongs to? There is a seal over it. For example, you have a, a deed, okay? Like you, you're buying new house and, and there is an exchange of paper. How do you seal the deal? You sign over it. You sign it, right? When you get married and you want to show that this guy or this girl is mine, what do you do? You put a ring over it and you seal it, right? This, this, is, not a, this is not a very permanent thing, but it's like saying that I seal my commitment with you. Okay? So a seal becomes a very integral part of a possession. And who are we? God's very own possession. Now before, we, we, before we understand what God's very own possession and what the seal is, what is the importance of a seal? What do you think is an importance of... Why do we need to go about with all this jazz of a seal? Okay. Shows authority. Shows authority. What else? Children in the back seat, are you all listening? 
What does it show? What does the seal show? It's an agreement. Some identity. So this possession that was just lying around somewhere, or or if you know if you find this thing somewhere, if if it's like a lost and found, you pick it up and you understand that oh, this is whose it is, and you give it back. Yeah, lost and found. You go, you understand. You pick it up and you understand. Oh, this ID card. You know, some lost uh, employee somewhere. You will pick up the ID card and say, oh, you belong to that such and such a company, and then you return him back to the company. You guys are saying yes, like that's actually going to happen. Okay, so the first thing that I want to tell you about a seal is the fact that it is a symbol of ownership. It's a sign of. Can you guys talk back? Because Pastor Priti says yes, no, maybe, maybe not. I I would like it if I would prefer this. Yes, no, maybe, maybe not. Yes, no. Yes. yes? Okay. So so the what was I saying? The seal is the sign of an ownership. Now, if you go, if you look back into Genesis, there was Cain, and Cain was, um, you know, punished by God, and Cain was, you know, banished out of the garden. And he says, you know what? My punishment is so hard for me to bear that that if anybody finds me, they'll just kill me. You know what God did? What did God do? He put a sign. He put a mark over this person and said, anybody. Who touches you will bear the consequences because you belong to me. Because that sign, that mark, was like a declaration that said, "This guy belongs to someone." Okay. So the first thing that you need to remember about a seal is it is a sign of ownership. Okay. The next thing that I want you to know is that it. Go to go to Jeremiah. Um, wait, wait, wait. One minute. Go to Isaiah chapter twenty-nine, verse eleven. Okay, so it says all the future events in this vision are like a sealed book. When you give it to those who can read, they will say, "We can't read it because it is sealed." What do you think this talks about? It's got a seal. It's a book that is closed and sealed. And when you, it's not like nobody can read it, right? Yes or no? It's not like nobody can read it. Everybody can read it. But if you give a sealed letter, if you give a sealed book to someone, they will say, "I'm sorry, I cannot open it because I don't have authorization over this book." It's tamper-proof. A seal goes to show that you are tamper-proof. We are possession. We have a seal. The church goes to show, or the seal on the church goes to show that the church is tamper-proof. Tamper proof, no unauthorized use of this church. What does that mean? You want to think about it? Come back to it later. Good idea. So I can move to the next point. Keep it in your mind, okay? Keep 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 that thought revolving somewhere in the back of your mind. We'll come back to it. Jeremiah thirty-two eleven. This is the next point. So what was the first point again? It's a seal. It's a symbol of ownership. The second point is that it is tamper-proof. It says that you cannot use it without authorization. What's the third thing? Jeremiah thirty-two eleven. Then I took the sealed deed and an unsealed copy of the deed, which contained the terms and conditions of the purchase. Now it talks about a sealed deed and another copy. You know that is a copy is of course you don't need to seal it, right? So the sealed deed came with. Terms.
terms and conditions. A seal goes to show that, you know what, there will be requirements of you. There will be some um, expectations from you. There are some terms and conditions that you need to follow if you are part of that seal. If you look into the book of Ruth, okay, and Ruth, um, Bo Boaz wanted to marry Ruth, but there was a kinsman redeemer who was close, you know, there's so many technicalities in the Old Testament that we don't understand, but it's just that Boaz was a relative of Ruth, of, of Ruth's mother-in-law, and there, there was a system called redeeming the family, okay, and someone in the family, in the extended family had to do this, and there was a man who was related to this mother-in-law who could have bought uh, land, who could have purchased, um, you know, responsibilities of this family of Boaz, of um, Ruth, Naomi and all that. And, uh, you know, and then through him, they, Ruth might have heirs, okay? That's, that's like a Old Testament um, jiggy piggy. We will not get into it. But what happened there was that there was a guy who was closer in relation to uh, Naomi and Ruth, okay? And Boaz wanted to marry Ruth. And um, what happens? General knowledge. You know, all this happens when you're sitting, you come to church, your general knowledge gets tested, your knowledge in verses gets tested, a lot of things, you know, a little, little uncomfortable place. So, you know, we, we really need to prepare ourselves before we come to church. But it's okay. I'll not condemn you, I'll not judge you. You good people, God loves you still, okay? Don't worry. So, what happened? This, um, this guy, this kinsman redeemer, he had authority over Naomi and Ruth and he could marry Ruth, but it came with terms and conditions. Sorry, he, ha he could buy the land, but it came with a term and condition. It says, you can purchase the land from Naomi, but it comes with a requirement. You have to marry Ruth and she can have children and you will not be able to give your name to your, to your own children. You will have to carry the name of Boaz. So when there is an agreement, though he had authority, though he could own it, he had all, all possible access into, into, this, into this agreement, it came with terms and conditions. It came with certain requirements. And fortunately for Ruth, that guy said, no, I cannot marry Ruth. And so Boaz ended up marrying her. That's the story. But the moral of the story is that a seal comes with terms and conditions. Let's go to the next verse. So what happens here? Daniel is put in the den and there is a seal over it. Now why is that seal there? The king sealed the stone with his royal seal so that no one could rescue Daniel. In another version it says that so that no change can be made about the decree. So what is the seal showing? Authority, yes. Access, yes. Terms and conditions, yes. Ownership, yes. So that nobody could change what is given. It means to say that when you have a seal on you, when there's something that has a seal on you, it is permanent and it is unchanging. You pass a law, you put your seal, it is unchanging. 
to the point that when uh, in the in the uh, reign of Ahasuerus, uh, when the, no, in the story of Mordecai and Esther, um, uh, Haman got a decree passed by the king. Okay. Later, when the king realizes that that is foolishness. Is he able to revoke, say, no, 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 I'm sorry, I made a mistake. He's not able to do that. What did he say? He passed another decree behind it because the first decree or the first order that went was unchanging. You can't change it. You can't, it's permanent. It's said, it's done, it's deal, the, the deal is signed. There is no way you can tamper with it. There is no way you can change it. It's permanent. It's a done deal. Yeah? So what are the four points again? These kids are very nice. They always reply. All of them in red and black. You should also wear red and black. So tell me. It's a symbol of ownership. It is tamper proof, which means there is no unauthorized use. It comes with terms and conditions. It is unchanging. It is binding. It is permanent. There is no way that you can change it. Yeah? So, when we look back into the Old Testament and we think of possession, because now we're going to look everything in terms of God, from, from the eyes of God. Okay? So, do you remember seeing a verse that talked about God's own possession in the Old Testament? Alfie, give me that. Uh, what was that? Somewhere in the back of my tip of my tongue, it's right there. I'm not able to. What is that verse? You remember Moses had said, Lord, make us or claim us as your own special possession. You know, there was a time when God got so annoyed with these people that he said, you know what, you want victory, I give you victory. You want, you want uh, land, I'll give you land. You want uh, clothes and food and what, you want anything, I'll give you anything, just leave this place and go. You want victory, go. You want to fight, go, go fight, I'll give you victory. You want anything, you'd ask me, I'll give it to you, but just, just go. And you know what Moses said, Moses said, God, if you are not coming with us, we are not going anywhere. Because there was a place when Moses had actually prayed, Oh Lord, if it is true that I have found favor with you. Yes, we are stubborn. Yes, we are rebellious. We are not perfect people. We are not, you know, we have our own shortcomings. Okay. But forgive our iniquity, forgive our sins and claim us as your own special possession. Claim us as your own special possession. Now, this is something that happened in the Old Testament, okay? And it was not something that God said in passing and then five days later, he forgot about it. What did God do to make it permanent from generation to generation? He had to seal it, right? What do you think was the seal that God gave to this special possession? Who are these special possession people? The Israelites, yeah? The Israelites were the special possession to God in the Old Testament. Okay? Now, trace back the roots of Israelites. Where does it go back to? To Israel. Israel, not the place, the person. Who was Israel? Jacob. Who was Jacob's father? Who was Isaac's father? 
Who's Abraham's father? We don't know, but okay, we'll stop at Abraham, okay? Because it was with God, it was with Abraham that God had made a covenant saying, your descendants will be like stars in the sky and like grains of sand on the seashore. And it was about these special people that we are talking about. And what did God do? Or what, how did God seal the deal? Or how did God seal that agreement when he said, your people, your children will be my, my children. Your, your people will be my special possession. You know what God did? You know what God introduced with Abraham? It's called circumcision. Every Israelite had to go through this process of circumcision to say that, you know what, I am sealed by the authority of God. And that was in the Old Testament. Now what changed from Old Testament to New Testament? What changed? Jesus came. Of course, New Testament is all about Jesus. Guys, if you don't know this much, something really wrong with you. Or there's something really wrong with the church. They're not teaching you properly. Should I come preach more often? <laughs> Just to know what your heart is. What happened in the New Testament? Jesus, blood of Jesus, Holy Spirit. Missing the mark, missing the mark. Come on, come on, let's go back. New Covenant. There was a new covenant and who became the special possession to God after Jesus came? Do you remember the verse? First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Can, can you? Oh, by the way, we've done this before. The, the, it's, it's the second slide. Okay. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Do you remember the second slide? Because it will help me, uh, you know, want to continue after this or not. If you don't remember what happened five minutes ago, you'll not remember what will happen five minutes after now. What was First Peter chapter two verse nine? Can we can we move this slide? This you are a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's very own possession. Yeah. What happened in the New Testament was that. Not just the Israelites, but the Jews and the Gentiles and everybody who was in between became God's own special possession. Okay. Now what was the seal for the Old Testament was not the seal for the New Testament. It was something different. It was, it was something because now the, the, the whole uh, equation had changed. Now the whole game had changed, okay? Now it was not just about the flesh. It was something deeper. It was, it was about something more meaningful. It was about something that, is, that matters to God more. You know what? That's the heart. And something had, there should have been a circumcision of the heart. And what is the seal that God gave to the church? Let's, let's read that. Just give me one minute. I'm so not used to using this. Hmm. Okay. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Okay. 
It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. Well, who is God talking about? Who is the Bible talking about here? When he says us, you, stand firm for Christ, Peter, build this on the rock. What, what is this? Church. Okay? It is addressing to the church. It is God who enables the church to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us. He has identified us by placing the Holy Spirit in our heart as the first installment that guarantees everything that has promised us. What changed from Old Testament to New Testament? The chosen people was now a wider category which included Jews and Gentiles, which includes us because now we have become the royal nation, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. We have become God's special possession. Okay? And so, the seal that was over the people of the Old Testament has now changed and has become something more deep. It's become something more intense. It has become something more important. And that is placing. God has sealed our hearts by placing the Holy Spirit. How awesome is that? He is placing the Holy Spirit inside of you as a mark to say that, like how when Cain went out, though he had sinned, though he was running away from the presence of God, when Cain went out, he had a mark over himself that said, you know what? I belong to God. Just like that, when you walk out as a church, when the, when the world sees the church and when the world sees that this church is marked by the Holy Spirit, they know that this church belongs to God. And when I say church, it's not the building again and again. It's not the building that we're talking about. It's about this community. It's about this group of people. It's about God's special possession that we are talking about. God's special possession is marked in the New Testament by the Holy Spirit. You know what? It's not a new concept. It's not a new concept that God had to uh, mark us by the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to the creation of human beings, of man. Adam, what did God do? He made man. He made, he made Adam, okay? And he, you know, you know what the intention behind making Adam? It was because he wanted to make something in his own image. He wanted to have a possession and he wanted to give it his image. So does that mean that God has nose, eyes, mouth, 32 teeth, tongue, tongue buds, you know, taste buds? Does that mean that is what God looks like? What, what, is it, what is it that's that distinguishes us from the creation? Creation would include animals, birds, trees, plants, sun, water, nature, everything. Monkeys that look like us. Because if we are made in the image of God, we look like God, monkeys look like us, so we are made in the image of monkey. No, that doesn't work. What is it that is different about us from the rest of the creation. The one thing that is different about us and the only thing that is different about us is the fact that God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Okay? And that is how God gave him his image. God gave Adam uh, his own image. Go to Genesis chapter 126 because we're just talking about the same, same portion. Okay? It was God's plan to have his 
breathed his spirit inside adam to make him look or to make him an image and reflection we are supposed to reflect the image of god which is why when um, we sinned <coughs> sorry which is why when we sinned god said what will happen you will die but did you actually die then god lied <coughs> what happened the holy spirit that was inside of us it left and we were just left with the spirit that is us we were supposed to have walked in such union like adam held hands with god and he walked that is the relationship that that god wanted with man but the moment man sinned the holy spirit in him it is the breath of god it's you know what it's really interesting to note this when when you look into the bible and you check out breath there is only one place where it talks about the breath of life who is life jesus god okay the breath of life and it is very clearly mentioned okay, probably after after these verses it is very clearly mentioned that god breathed the breath of life into adam everybody else had breath but it was never the breath of life but in adam was the breath of life in adam was the breath of the almighty and that is god's original intention that is god's original plan but when he sinned it just went out like that and that is why right now now after jesus came after the second adam came and the second adam was sacrificed the 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 covenant relationship is restored and that is why you now have the same seal that was in adam can you imagine the the magnanimity of it can you imagine the enormity of it the same breath that was breathed into adam's clay body when god did foo and it and, and, and you know what adam he got up with the holy spirit in him it's the same breath that is going to come into the church when god is going to seal the church come on guys come on guys i thought you guys will be more excited about this when when god sealed adam and 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 gave him gave him that sign of ownership by putting the holy spirit in him he somehow lost it but we without any effort of ours are going to get back that seal when church when the body of christ is going to be sealed in their heart by the holy spirit which is god is going to seal with the holy spirit come on we we talking about the beginning of creation are you not excited about this Oh okay I am the only one excited I accept it fine let's move on probably you'll get excited you know in another uh, 20 minutes but let's let's you know let's not lose focus when Jesus came to earth when Jesus came to earth he was full man 
and there had to be some kind of a ceiling in him also. Ceiling, okay, not ceiling. There had to be some kind of a stamp over him also. Okay? He got baptized. He got up. What was the seal over him? The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. When the first century church was being established and the apostles were in the upper room and there had to be some kind of a stamp and there had to be some kind of a seal over them, what was the seal that was on them? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in the forms of tongues of fire. There had to be that kind of uh, uh, public declaration. What, what, what was the purpose of the seal? That you have the sign of authority. You have... Um, There, are, there, are, there is no unauthorized use of this church. It is tamper-proof and it is binding and permanent. God once and for all poured out His Holy Spirit over the church to say that, guess what? I have my very own special possession and I'm going to stamp it with the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know more about the Holy Spirit? Go to um, Ephesians. Sorry. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth the good news the God saves you <coughs> sorry I don't know how to mute this <coughs> your ears are all okay And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God is not only for the Jews, God is also for non-Jews. And when you believed in Christ, He... You know why it's given in a different color? It's a cue for you guys to start screaming and say the same words. Can you do that? It's a cue, it's a hint. I cannot keep saying, no, read, 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 come on. So, I'm reading the grey, you read the one in the brown, okay? And when you, when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own. By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. Guess what, who, what this Holy Spirit can also do? The Spirit, of, the Spirit is that He will give us the inheritance He promised. Good job. What is this spirit doing? It is also, the spirit is first, first of all, it is a mark by which he is calling you his own. The second thing that he is doing is, it is a guarantee, not it, he, the Holy Spirit. When I say it, it means the mark. When I say he, it means the Holy Spirit, okay? So, the, the, the seal, the mark or the Holy Spirit which is a he, is a guarantee that you come with a term and condition, which is it's actually not a condition, it's a promise that says that you my special possession, henceforth you will receive something. It's called my inheritance. What is your inheritance? Heaven! You know next Sunday I'm taking you all to that side of the hall. That is where the kids church happens. Sunday school. I am part of the kids church. And I feel like you know they give better responses than you guys do. This is all basic 
we've done this long time when we were five year olds we've done this before okay when we become saved there is hell and heaven when we accept jesus there's only heaven okay there's no hell for us what is our inheritance i might include false theology in between if you're part of youtube subscribers don't leave anonymous comments there come to me we'll discuss the theology and we'll arrive at a conclusion at a later point of time is that okay because i just said that there is no hell for you well i don't know but no when jesus gave you the seal to his own possession saying that you know that he's going to seal you with his holy spirit uh what happened the first thing that happened was it was a mark of ownership the second thing that happened was it was the seal was a guarantee of your inheritance and the inheritance is your your claim or your um you know your gift of eternal life not everybody goes to heaven only those who get a guarantee only those who get an invitation letter only those who get you know when when you get a job <laughs> we have people in our church who are praying for jobs okay now sometimes you pass the interview but we may we still keep waiting for a letter it's called the offer letter right you pass the interview we've done everything you went and tell all your friends uh, you know interview was good they gave me a call and uh, when is your joining date i will let you know why because they have to authorize you by giving you a offer letter okay and this is an it's not an invitation it's an offer letter that comes with terms and conditions that comes with agreements that comes with requirements it comes with promises i will pay you such and such a salary and you will get incentives and if you work overtime you will get more incentives and if you add more people to the group you will get even more incentives it comes with a lot of terms and conditions yeah and the spirit of god is the guarantee that this is going to be your inheritance how cool is the holy spirit what is this holy spirit or why is the holy spirit so important for the church today what are the gifts of the holy spirit what are the fruit of the holy spirit you know all of these make a lot of sense when you understand that you cannot function in a church without having holy spirit inside of you now to those of the world you know like 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 we had discussed before uh, you cannot say jesus is the son of god without without the holy spirit in you only no flesh and blood have has revealed this truth to you it's it, what is that verse it's by his spirit that you are saying this when when peter when when peter accepted that jesus was son of god jesus no flesh and blood has revealed this to you it is only by the spirit of god that you can say that that jesus is the son of god it is very essential for the church which is a special possession we are god's chosen people we are a holy nation we are god's own possession we are a royal priesthood all of this is meaningless is worthless is pointless is useless if it 
is functioning without the Holy Spirit. Our church will only be as good as clanging pots and pans at worship if there is no Holy Spirit. I will be no better than an orator or a, or a you know, good preacher or, a, or a, uh, you know, like a, um, one of those politicians who go out and say things that don't mean anything to them. I'll be as good as that if there is no Holy Spirit in them. You will be putting up a good show on a Sunday morning if there is no Holy Spirit in the church. And that is why it is really important for us. Lord, we beg you, fill or seal this church with the Holy Spirit. Give me, give me what it takes to, to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What are the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of these would be meaningless. You cannot... Um, you know, manufacture love out of anywhere. You will only tire yourself out by having peace, inner peace, inner peace. You will only tire yourself out by chanting all those, you know, you know those uh, positive thinking formulas if there is no Holy Spirit in you. You cannot do this by your own strength. The church cannot stand on its own. The church that is built on sand, the moment there is rain, the moment there is flood, the moment there is thunderstorm, it will fall flat. If there, is no, if there is no rock underneath. The rock is the Holy Spirit. We are built on, on the Holy Spirit. We, if we are not built, come, let's start right now. We have to be built in the Holy Spirit for this church to make any sense in front of Jesus and in front of the world. Can you just take one minute and say, God, I do not know what Holy Spirit stamping, sealing and all that, all that uh, it doesn't make sense to me. But Lord, I just pray that if this spirit inside of me is dead, I pray you would seal me today because I know you have claimed me as your special possession. If you feel that, if you feel doubtful about that fact in your mind that, oh, am I really? Am I a special possession? Then, then say, you know what, God, claim me as your special possession. Claim me, Lord. Claim me as your special possession. And then you seal me. Seal me, God. Seal me with the Holy Spirit, Jesus. I need it. I need it. I am, I am not able to do anything. I, that, whatever I achieve on this earth is, is meaningless, Lord. Is useless, Lord, without your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there is always, there is always this danger that, that, you know, there was this, can, can, can you go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 30? This, in the spirit realm, everything is black and white. Okay? In the spirit realm, everything is, this is, this is something that you have to drill into your heads at this point in time, okay? If you've believed something else, I would request you to, you know, pray, read the Bible, find out everything and everything about this one point. Everything in the spirit realm is black and white. Can you say that? Everything in the spirit realm is black and white. There are no gray areas. There are no gray areas. And why are we talking about the spirit realm? It's because the spirit realm is, is 
more real than the physical realm. That is why the supernatural is outside the sphere of science because science by definition does not include the supernatural. It's like a smaller circle. The spirit realm is more real than the physical realm. You know why? Because when God made Adam, God definitely made clay, but what gave life to Adam was the spirit of God. We are spirit beings before we are physical beings, before we are human beings. We are spirit beings, okay? That is why it makes sense to come and learn about spirit. The spirit, the capital S spirit, which is the Holy Spirit spirit. Because he is the one who is responsible, he will be the one responsible for everything that's going to happen inside of you. Okay, now this is what Jesus is saying about the black and white category. It says, anyone who isn't working with, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Is there an in-between category? If there is BJP and Congress, can we be AAP? Yes or no? If there is only Congress and BJP, we have to be either one of them. We cannot say, sorry, I choose not to vote. Bad example, but I hope the point is given well across to you. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. What does it go to say? It means to say that if you are, um, if you are a person who has, or if you are a church that has the seal of God, then you are working with God. Anybody who does not have the seal of God will have the seal of the anti of God, which is Antichrist. You want, you want more proof? Go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 14 verse 9. Then a third angel following them shouting, followed them shouting, anyone who worships the beast and has his statue accepts his mark on the forehead. This is talking about a time when your faith will be truly tested. When you will know for sure who you're working with. Because it would take a lot of guts. It would take a lot of courage. It would take a lot of tenacity in you to not accept the mark, the mark of the beast. Only those who have the mark of God will be able to withstand the pressure of having the mark of the beast. So it is important that the church have the mark of God before the Antichrist comes and put a mark that is his. Which makes sense for us to say, Holy Spirit, we need you. You know what, I just pray that even at the, at the end of all this, even if you didn't hear a word of what I said, if you can just pray every day, Holy Spirit, I need you, I think that will really do it. You know why? Because, it, you, know, you know this parable about uh, this man who was possessed by demons and, and uh, you know, it's cast away. What does this demon do? He goes out, 
um, you know, he wanders around in the wilderness and when he finds no rest, he comes back and he sees the owner, he sees the inside the heart of the owner, swept, clean and filled with good things. No. What is it? Eh? Empty. Swept, clean, nice looking, but empty. And you know what this demon does? What this spirit does? This is the evil spirit I'm talking about. It just goes out and says, come. And he brings in seven more spirits. Only because this guy was in the grey area. Neither did he belong to this side, nor did he belong to that side. Neither did he belong to this extreme, nor was he that extreme. Neither was he cold, nor was he hot. He was lukewarm. You know what Bible talks about lukewarm people? God says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. A very bad place to be in. You either can have the Holy Spirit or you can not have the Holy Spirit. You cannot walk the middle path and say, done. Okay? And this house was empty and that is why this spirit that was driven away comes back with more force, more reinforcement and occupies the same place. I'll, I'll give you one last example from uh, the Old Testament where we talk about Saul, King Saul. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. It talks about King Saul. King Saul, the first king of Israel, the, the, you know, it, it says that Saul was the tallest. He was, uh, you know, like a shoulder above. When everybody would stand, he would be seen above the entire crowd from his shoulder on. He was tall. He was handsome. He was good looking. And God had chosen this guy to lead Israel. And then what happened? What went wrong? There was something called as the grieving of the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit in him. And Holy Spirit is not an New Testament concept. It's very much, he is very much present in the Old Testament also, okay? But there was something that happened to the Holy Spirit that was residing in Saul, in King Saul. There was something called as the grieving of the Holy Spirit. There's one thing to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's a totally different thing for asking the Holy Spirit to have ownership over us and say, you know what, Lord, lead me. It's nice to have a mark and all, but I will not accept terms and conditions. It's nice, nice to have the seal and all, but I don't think it is binding. Today, let it be. Tomorrow onwards, let me live my life on my own. Okay? That is called the grieving of the Holy Spirit. Because when you allow the Holy Spirit in your life, what, what was the thing that we learned last week? We are... Yes, we are children of God. Yes, we are friends of God. But we are bought by a high price. We have been pay, we were paid a ransom for, and we were bought into into this this uh, you know in, we were bought as a possession. Which means that there is some concept of ownership. There is some concept of an authority. There is some concept of letting go. Oh no. That's such an oh no moment for the church. What? Give me willpower but you also want to take ownership. You give me choice but also don't want to. You make me use my choice. It's a hard place to be in though. 
your life is not your own i'm sorry to disappoint you your life is not your own if you want to be part of this kingdom if you want to be part of of uh, you know treasures at a point of time you should understand that this that you are living for in the next 70 80 120 years is going to be really temporary it's really temporary if you focus yourself there was a guy there was a father he had two sons this guy said give me more, give me my possession let me live my own life and you know what he did not he had no clue of what the world uh, had in store he thought you know the grass is greener always on the other side right and uh, you know what he just took all the money that was his inheritance and he went and he had a good time but it ran out like that and where he was it the the parable says that he saw the pigs feeding pods and he desired for those pods and nobody gave him even that sometimes what we run after is that pods that are that are uh, you know worthy of only feeding to the pigs and we want that also and then he it hits him oh my god whatever i had in my father's house was way better i had servants who could feed me and and this is not just another story this is not just another parable that you feel good about and go home nicely it is our story it is the church's story in your father's house there are many rooms there are many angels who are going to serve you there is plenty there are treasures there are pleasures forevermore that's what the psalmist says there are there are pleasures on his right hand forevermore don't run after the pod that the pig is feeding on that is why i am telling you your life is not your own you can only see your life till today at this point at 1244 you can only see your your life till today there is someone who seen your life way way after today and he says do you don't know you don't know what's happening after this so give me give me your life i know how to take care of it i know how to use it all you have to do is just heed to me just just let me let me let me let me in let me in <coughs> and, and and that that is the point <coughs> i want you guys to take back <coughs> there was a grieving of the spirit in saul's life and he did not act maniac you know he lost sen- lost his senses to jealousy you know why because the spirit of god in him had left him <coughs> it says the spirit of the lord had left saul and the lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. it is only when this spirit of the lord goes away and you are vacant and empty that these tormenting spirits will come and invade your life and you go from being here to here 
Sunday, come back. Then, go back. Then, Sunday, come back. Then, year, go back. Supernatural abundance? No, there is no abundance. Supernatural favor? No, there is no favor. You know, you keep becoming like this pendulum going from here to there to here to there because there is a grieving of the Holy Spirit. What is this grieving of the Holy Spirit? Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. It says, do not bring sorrow. You, if you can just go home and read this entire chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. You know, it talks about how you might grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Your life here on earth is the testimony to who is in you. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own. Can you read that last line? I will not ask you anymore after this. Can you read the last line? Ready? One, two, three, go. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. How is it possible that I will still get through in my 80 years on this earth. This is the verse I want you to remember. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Can you say this one more time? The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You as a church are destined for greatness. You as a church are destined for greater things. You as a church have won the victory. And you are not doing it by your power. You're not doing it by your might. You are doing it by the spirit of the living. Can you just rise up on your feet, guys? We hope this week's sermon from Bangalore Revival Center was a blessing to you. To remain connected or to visit us, find all the information on dreamingrevival.com.